Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, everyone. It's the holiday season. Many are traveling. Kids are on break and parents are in session because now they have to take care of their kids. But it's a joy, right, parents? It's a joy, right, parents? Anyways, good morning to all uh, online uh, and on-site. It's a joy to be here once more. We're going to begin our time together with a very simple observation exercise. Okay, turn to someone next to you and say, wake up. Okay, first picture, let's go. Okay, for those of you who are at Jen's camp, you cannot tell anyone what this is, okay? But for the rest, what do you see in this picture? Assorted photos that are not linked together, right? Okay, next picture. Let's take a step back now. What do we see now? Many of you are like, uh... Seems like the same thing, just more assorted photos. Okay, how about now as we take a step back even further with the frame of the, of the picture, what do you guys see? You begin to see something behind the assorted pictures, correct? There seems to be a photo being formed. Can anyone make a guess who this is? Okay, I hear some of the answers. Pastor Kai, I heard. Okay, let's take a look at what this picture is. One last time. Albert Einstein, for those whose eyesight are really good, um, good job. It's Albert Einstein. As we take a look, as we take a step back, we begin to see and reimagine the picture behind the assorted little photos that we see. This morning, we are going to take a step back. And we're going to look at what the kingdom of God is like amidst the world we live in today and amidst the many things that are happening in our text here in Daniel 11. To take a step back and and try to make sense of what is going on in view of how the kingdom of God is at work right now in our midst. But before we continue, let me pray for us. Eternal God and Heavenly Father, we come before you once more to center down on your living word. May you grant us eyes to see as you see, so that we may do as you say by the power of your Holy Spirit. May our word this morning take root and bear fruit in your time for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to someone next to you and say, we are 100 meters to the finish line. 100 meters. For those of you who don't know what you're talking about, it means you never come to church. We are about three weeks out from finishing our book in Daniel. And then we take a break, we celebrate for one month, and then we go on a new journey to the book of Leviticus. Why nobody clap? <laughs> it's, been, it's been a challenging journey, but it's preparing us for an even greater challenge next year in the book of Leviticus. Um, but it's a joy nonetheless to see and study the whole of Scripture. Because all scripture is given by God for us to learn and to grow. Amen? 
So with that, I'm going to do a quick recap for us on where we have been the past few weeks, okay? So for the past few weeks, we did an overview firstly of Daniel chapter 10 to 12, which is the last segment uh, and the last vision of Daniel. And then after we did an overview, we went on to go into specific themes present. We looked at spiritual warfare. We then looked at last week, God's relation to human history. And then this week, we are going to look at the theme of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. And we're going to learn two critical uh, things with regards to the kingdom of God. This morning's title is called Kingdom Reimagine. Kingdom Reimagine. And the two critical questions that we will learn this morning is what do we see? What do we see? And the second question is what are we living for? These two questions that we will see from the text this morning will help us to frame, to take a step back and learn about the kingdom of God and what it is and what it is not. So these are two questions that will frame our time together this morning. But before we dive into Daniel 11, uh, in any good K-drama or any TV series that you watch, what is the thing that happens when you turn on the next episode? There's kind of like an overview of what has happened before that, right? Before you jump into the next episode. So for us to be able to understand what is going on in Daniel 11, uh, I want to give us some context. context. In Daniel chapter 10, when God first gave the vision to Daniel, uh, we understand that it's on the third year of the reign of King Cyrus. What does it mean? It means that it's been three years since the people of God have been set free set free from exile and back to their homeland and, and they were now able to rebuild the temple of God. But as we learn in Ezra 1-4, to the people of God experienced challenges, opposition from neighboring empires uh, to rebuild the temple of God. And as such, they were, they were struggling to remain faithful to God. So that's where we were at, and it's in this context that Daniel went to God to pray and ask the Lord to give him understanding of what is happening to the people of God. And from there, God revealed the vision to Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. Uh, and we see now here in 11, the details of the vision. So that's where we're at with the overview and the context of where we're at. Now we jump in to the first question that we're going to look at. What do we see? What do we see? When we first look at the text here in Daniel 11, it may come across like the photo that we see earlier. Just assorted photos, random things. Like what is going on? I, I just don't understand. Completely lost. Especially when we look at apocalyptic literature like this in Daniel. We, we scratch our head and we can't seem to take a step back to look at the larger canvas that God is trying to show us. You know, one of the things I want to help us, especially for the CGs who are going through Bible study for their CGs, here's a helpful guide for you. Uh, on the screen right now, there's a QR code uh, that you can scan right now. Uh, you can take back and go back and read later on on some helpful details uh, that will help you to navigate through Daniel 11. All the different kingdoms, all the pieces, what does it mean and who are these kingdoms? This document hopefully will help you. Uh, it's put together by Goy, so we're really grateful for uh, his time to do this. But back to our focus 
uh, for today. What do we see? What do we see? And amidst all the different chaotic, assorted pictures that we see in Daniel 11, I want to present to us that there are two key contrasts that we will see between two ongoing clashes of kingdoms. The earthly kingdoms and the kingdom of God. The earthly kingdoms and the kingdom of God. And there are two key contrasts that we will come to learn about them and more importantly about the kingdom of God. The first is with regards to their power. Power. And one of the most repeated words in Daniel 11 is the word Ahmad in Hebrew, Ahmad. And in this particular context, Ahmad is, is, is used and, and, and means arise or to rise or to stand. That's used in this particular context. And it's used 17 times, 17 times in this vision itself. But what is more interesting is how Ahmad, arise, is used in conjunction with how power is understood and seen by the earthly kingdoms. What do I mean by that? Let's take a look at some of the verses on the screen. For example, we see here in verse 2, Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. Or for example, in verse 3, Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion, and do as he will. Or in verse 14, In those times many shall rise against the king of the south, and the violent among your own people shall lift themselves up in order to fulfill the vision. We see that as the nations amat, as they arise in power, how they arise in power is one by exerting force, by exerting dominance over the other, powering over the other. Whatever they want, they get. And whatever desires they have of theirs, they will take it and do it. That's the forceful nature of the power seen and used by the earthly kingdoms. But when we compare this, how the earthly powers, they use power as a whole, we compare that with the kingdom of God, we begin to see that the kingdom of God is completely different. In fact, it's inverse and reversed in how it sees power and how it uses power. For example, in Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, if you look with me now on the screen, it shows us a glimpse of some of the values of the kingdom of God. For example, when Jesus speaking here, he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then Jesus goes on in verses 45, 46, 47 to talk about how God the Father chooses to continue to extend His grace, His mercies to all people, regardless of whether they're good or bad, just or unjust. So we see that the kingdom of God, the values is completely different, in particular with regards to power. Instead of powering over the other, Jesus calls us and tells us that we are to what? Love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? As we take a step back, we, we, we don't understand why is that the case? What, why is Jesus asking us and calling us to do that? Completely different kind of understanding and use of power compared to the 
earthly kingdoms and in the world that we live in today. But what I want us to take a look as well is actually verse 48. After Jesus said all this, he then says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Then Jesus calls us to be perfect like his Father. Now, you may be wondering, what in the world do you mean when you say be perfect? Well, the idea of being perfect here in this particular context, the perfect here is referring to a sense of full and complete obedience to God's word, God's will, and God's way. That's the idea used here. The word teleos used here is full obedience to God. And so what, what this means is that this power that, that Jesus talks about is not one that is exerting power over, but one of submission, one of obedience. And by doing so, what happens is the people around us, they begin to see, they begin to see that those who are part of the kingdom of God, sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, that the power of the kingdom of God is seen through not by powering over others, but the power is seen through the love, through the obedience, through the submission to the will of the Father. That is the power of the kingdom of God in comparison to how the world may view power. Charles Coulson has this to say with regards to the kingdom of God. He says this, It is not what we do that matters, but what a sovereign God chooses to do through us. God doesn't want our success. He wants, listen to this, He wants us. He doesn't demand our achievements. He demands our obedience. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of paradox where through the ugly defeat of a cross, a holy God is utterly glorified. Victory comes through defeat, healing through brokenness, finding self through losing self. As we take a step back, we begin to see that the kingdom of God with regards to power, is one that is completely different from how the world views power. Not powering over, but one that is of submission, of humility, of obedience. So that's the first thing that we come to learn and see as we take a step back with regards to the kingdom of God. But not just with power that we see a contrast. The second contrast that we see in this particular passage is permanence. Permanence. If we look at the nations that are described, many nations, many rulers, as they arise, as they are marred in power, all of the nations and rulers, their destiny and their fate is the same. All their destiny and fate ends up in defeat. It ends up in desolation. Why do we say that? Let's look closely with some of the examples that we see on the screen. For example, his kingdom shall be broken and divided towards the four winds, for his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to the others besides these. Or verse 6, but she shall not retain strength, shall not endure, shall be given up. Verse 12, but he shall not prevail. Verse 14, but they shall fail. Verse 17, it shall not stand or be to his advantage. Verse 19, he shall stumble and fall and shall not be found. 
There are many more examples, but here are a few of them. That we see that all the rulers, all the kingdoms mentioned here amidst the chaos, we, as we take a step back, we see something in common of the earthly kingdoms here. That all their reign and rule is temporal. All their reign and rule is temporal. But when it comes to the kingdom of God and its permanence, we see the scriptures telling us what that permanence is. In Daniel chapter 12, 1 to 3, it describes for us the kingdom of God. It says, At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. Michael representing the kingdom of God. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation to that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Verse 3, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Here is a description after we look at the different nations arising, making their own reign and rule. We then come to see the talk and description of the kingdom of God. What I want us to notice here is this. Again, the same word is used. At that time shall arise Michael, the kingdom of God represented by Michael the archangel. Like the other nations, they arise. They are marred in power. But unlike the other nations that arise Ahmad, the kingdom of God that arise will have a different fate in comparison to the earthly kingdoms. Unlike them, the kingdom of God, the reign and rule is one of eternity and everlasting reign. We see that in verse 2 and verse 3. Can you see that clear contrast as we take a step back to see the kingdom of God? The permanence of the kingdom of God and the temporal nature of the earthly kingdoms. You know, just now I show you a quote from Charles Coulson, correct? A quote about the kingdom of God. You know, Charles Coulson, before he wrote the book, his life was very different before he was a believer. See, Charles Coulson was actually the, he grew up very smart as a man. Uh, he joined the Marine Corps at a young age, became the youngest officer in the Marine Corps in his time. And then later on, he went on to join uh, politics. And then at the height of his political career, he was the special advisor, the special advisor to the President of the United States in his time, which is President Nixon. That's the height of his power. But during that time, he found himself caught in a political scandal. Uh, and many of you are asked, may be familiar with that scandal. It's called the Watergate scandal. The Watergate scandal. Uh, and because of his involvement as the advisor to the president, he was, he was part of this case and investigation. And because of this, uh, Charles Coulson had to step away from the political realm uh, and to lead a quiet life as they investigate um, what happened in the scandal. Uh, and it was during that time he, he stopped being in, that, uh, in the political scene that someone passed him a book from C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. 
And it was that book that sparked his interest, curiosity of God, and eventually leading him to put his faith in Jesus Christ. And after he converted to becoming a believer, a disciple of Jesus, one of the things that God convicted him of was to, was to deal with the scandal that he was involved in, the political scandal. And God convicted him to plead guilty in front of the court judge um, in view of his involvement. And so that's exactly what he did. He went before the court and he pleaded guilty for his involvement uh, in the case. The court heard his uh, plea and then they gave the verdict uh, it was a few years of imprisonment in jail uh, that he had to serve in view of his involvement. Here we see Charles Coulson at the height of his power, of, his, of so-called his reign per se, coming all the way down to the lowest point of his life, of his greatest defeat, if you like to call it, where he was brought down and he was served a prison sentence of a few years. What many of us will see as something that is terrible, hopeless, God used that. God used that greatest defeat. God used that, that, that greatest shame in his life. And it was in that prison cell that God released his destiny and calling. See, in the prison cell, Charles Coulson observed and realized that many of the prisoners, they, they, they struggle to feel a sense of hope a sense of hope in prison because what's there to be hopeful about in prison? And even after they finished their sentence and they exit prison, there was also no hope because there was nothing that was helping them to readjust back into society. And Charles Coulson saw that during his time in prison. And that burden continued to grow even after he finished his sentence, when he came out of prison, that burden continued to grow. There is something that God wants him to do to bring hope to the prisoners in and outside of prison. And so it was in 1976 that Charles Coulson founded Prison Fellowship. Prison Fellowship, to which many of us may be familiar. And we have a prison fellowship here in Singapore as well, where their aim and objective is to bring hope to prisoners in, inside and outside. And oftentimes, Charles Coulson would say this, God used my greatest defeat for His glory. See, at that time, Charles Coulson couldn't see the full picture, the full canvas. He couldn't understand what was happening. But until God showed up, as he took a step back, looking back now, he sees God's purpose in using what was his greatest defeat greatest shame, and he turned it for his glory. And this morning, God desires to do that as well for you and I, to turn our greatest defeat, our greatest shame, our greatest weaknesses, and he wants to turn it, he wants to redeem it, all of it, for his glory. So that's what we learn this first part as we look at the kingdom of God. What do we see? What do we see? We saw the power that is used between the kingdom of God and the earthly kingdoms. And we also saw the permanence of the kingdom of God and the temporal nature of the earthly kingdoms. The second question that we want to look at and understand in view of how we live in the kingdom of God is what are we living for? What are we living for? In view of what we see, 
with regards to what it means to live out the faith in the kingdom of God and to see how the kingdom of God is of eternal reign in view of the earthly kingdoms. How then are we as disciples, are we to live right now, right here, in the season of life that God has called us to? There are two key things, two key assessments from the scriptures that we'll come to learn on how to assess whether we are living for the things of the world or the things of God. One question, or to rephrase it, is are, are we doing God's will or are we doing our own will? That's one question for us to look and reframe as we think about how we are living in this world. See, one of the phrases that are constantly repeated in this passage is do as he wills. Do as he wills. It's repeated three times in this passage. We see here in verse 3, Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion, and do as he wills. Verse 16, But he who comes against him shall do as he wills. Verse 36, And the king shall do as he wills. We see a common trend between the earthly kingdoms, where the rulers and the, the people in power are doing things as they will. They were self-seeking. Their focus was on themselves and themselves alone. But in comparison to the kingdom of God, it's completely different. The kingdom of God, on the other hand, is one that is of submission to the will of the Father. Next slide, please. So we see here, you know, one of the things I'm grateful for uh, is uh, part of my portfolio in the past was to look into leadership development in our TNG space. Uh, and one of the things is to, is, to, is to develop leaders among our next generation. And one of the best ways we can develop leaders is to develop a heart of service, of what it means to be a servant for the Lord. So one of the things that we have encouraged our young people, the message that we give across is, you are never too young to serve the kingdom of God. You are never too young to contribute to the kingdom of God. And so that's the message that we send. And one of the means of this message that we send across is for for them to be serving, to be disciple makers among our primary school kids and our preschool kids. What this does, my friends, is that it begins to help them to prioritize the things of God. To prioritize not just coming on Sunday, but there is a habit in them to help them to see that it's something larger than taking exams, something larger than just... Um, hitting the awards and, and, and the things required by school. No, there is a kingdom out there. There are souls to be won in the kingdom of God. And so as they continue to serve, as they continue to serve week in, week out, regardless of whether they have exams or no exams, they continue to remain faithful. And by the grace of God, we begin to see that their faith is growing. They, we begin to see that they are thinking about how they can contribute to the kingdom of God, even after they finish school. Because one of the things that we always tell them is this. Here's the reality. There will be a day where you finish exams. There will be a day where you have no more projects to write. 
but life only gets busier. You will have more work piled up. There will be family commitments. There will be marriage commitments. But when you begin the foundation right to prioritize the things of God, then we are living for the kingdom of God. The first way, the first way we can assess whether we are living for the kingdom of God is with regards to our priorities. Our priorities is a way and an indicator for us to see whether we are living for the things of the world or the things of God. Because what we prioritize in life shows and reflects what we live for. So in the picture just now, I, I showed you our, our pictures of one of the CGs uh, on my extreme ends. It's one of a CG of the 18-year-old zone. And on the other end is a 17-year-old zone. Um, so these people are right smack in the middle of the exams and they still continue to show up weekly to serve God, to go for CG because they come to realize that there's more to life than exams. There's more to life than what the school tells them what life is. Is. And we begin to see the fruits. In the center of the picture, you see uh, some of our young adults now who were previously used continuing to serve the next generation as disciple makers even after leaving the youth space. So this is a picture of them leading a Bible study session for one of our preschool classes. So we see that amongst our next generation where they begin to prioritize the things of God. But the second thing the second way to assess whether we are living for the kingdom of God is our partnership, our partnership. In chapter 12, verse 3, we see here, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Over here, we see it's part of the description of the kingdom of God. And we see here the people who are part of the kingdom of God are those who are wise, that will shine like the brightness of stars, but also those who turn many to righteousness. What this means and translates to for us today is in your circle of influence, God has placed you there. God has placed you there for a reason. How are you turning and pointing the people in your life towards God? towards helping them to see the kingdom of God. Priorities and partnership. How are we partnering in the kingdom of God in our spheres of influence? Right now, I'm going to get Philip E. to share a bit on how he is partnering in the kingdom of God as he shares how God is leading him in this ministry that he, he is doing right now. Let's welcome him. Good morning. Bless the Migrant Workers Initiative started in 2020 during the pandemic to outreach to migrant brothers and providing for their needs and to befriend them. Since coming out from the pandemic, we have since moved into another phase of care, befriending, doing casework and focusing more on meeting their mental, emotional and spiritual needs. The Lord has blessed us to be able to reach out to over 3,000 workers in over 16 dormitories, worksite and residential homes. And we thank God that since the pandemic, through the demonstration of love, Practical love and gospel manifested through practical acts. Over 450 brothers have come to faith. And there were also over 80 baptisms. Praise be to God. 
As we celebrate this good news, for me, sometimes I do get distracted and forget what the Lord has done. You see, Fijian and I are lay people, just like you. We have uh, family obligations, we have work obligations and ministry obligations. Ministry to the migrants often see us reaching out to, to them on their off days, which is Sundays. And casework often reaches us after office hours, and visits to dorms and hospitals and police stations were issues that were often dragged into the wee hours. Sometimes after a long and hard day, we ask ourselves, why are we doing this alone? And we forget his goodness. Recently, when we were doing the planning for next year, some volunteers told us that they will no longer join us and they are pulling out, not wanting to serve with us next year. When we hear the news that by the end of this year, the migrant workers' fund will run dry, completely dry, we were discouraged. This coming very migrant Christmas, we need at least 650 presents for the Christmas to celebrate with the migrant brothers, and so far, only a trickle of presents came in. I got distracted and forgot about who God is and about his goodness. What did I see? I saw then disappointments and I saw defeat. But recently, when we decided to open a new dorm just, hundred, uh, just uh, across the road from ACK Centre, there's a dorm that has 900 brothers there. And after a recce, a brother, Jay, from the Tamil Fellowship, shared this very encouraging and interesting testimony with, with us. Uh, not knowing our conditions, yeah? So he said, you know, I've been serving in the Tamil ministry and the Tamil ministry every time during worship, you know, it's like Bollywood. Eh? They are very vibrant. You know, the, the Tamil brothers really celebrate and then dance, you know, and sing. And then, however, every time from the pulpit when he looked across, there's one brother that will fold his arm throughout the whole worship. No expression. You know, have you watched Bollywood shows? Can you watch Bollywood shows like that? Cannot, right? When they are dancing, you feel like dancing with them and it's very vibrant. But this brother's face uh, never changed. He folds his arms, he just stands there. So this, this brother Jay, who is, the, who is the leader of the ministry, he's very discouraged. He says, am I doing something wrong? Did I say something wrong? Am I a, a bad leader? I'm not reaching out to the, this brother enough. You know, he almost wanted to give up his ministry. He was very discouraged. However, as days go by, and that brother continued to stare at him blankly, uh, but he still come faithfully, okay, every, every Sunday. There was a call for baptism. So brother Jay stood here and said, okay, now it's time for baptism. Would anyone want to get baptized? You know, the first hand that went up, the brother standing behind. He unfolded his arms, he raised his hand. So he was, brother Jay was very puzzled. So he went up to him and said, I'm calling for baptism, you know? You know what it means? He said, yeah. But if you know what it means, then how come every Sunday you come, you fold your hands and no expression? He said, oh, because I'm talking to God. <laughs> Very interesting. He said, I'm talking to God. You know why he talked to God? Very interesting. He said, look, the, the situation is this. While you are worshipping, I'm, I'm a new believer, you say many stories about God, how good God is, how God, how God will provide you know, but I don't know this God because he's a new believer. So I told God, during the, every time during the worship, I fold my arms, and when the worship is going on, I ask, God, if you are real, show me. So you know that I'm very poor, I come from a poor village, I have no money, but I want to get married. But in order to get married, I need to have a house. 
Sounds like going to be like in Singapore, right? 1.45 million, how to buy a flat, right? So anyway, he said, I need money to buy a house so that I can get a wife. So he said, God, if you are real, give me something to start building the house. So he said, if you are real, give me bricks. That same week, a truckload of bricks went to his house in a rural part of India where until today, he still don't know where that ton of bricks came from. So the bricks came. He said, wow, must be coincidence. So he said, okay, let me try again. So the next Sunday, he came, folded his arms, talked to God. He said, God, if it's you, thank you for the bricks. But now I got a problem. Got bricks, no cement is a problem. So I need sand. Can you give me sand? That same week, a truckload of sand came. Amazing, right? It's a miracle, you know. A truckload of sand came and dumped it at the same place in front of his house in rural India. And he said, wow, this cannot be a coincidence. It must be a miracle. So every week he decided to fold his arm and continue to talk to God, making a lot of requests. And God continued answering all his requests amazingly. But just for the record, until today, he don't know where the sand and the bricks came from. He still don't have a wife, but he has his house. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 this brother, so this brother Jay said, wow, so that's your story. So decided to put him through the baptism class, bring him uh, to baptism just downstairs at the Woodlands pool. And then during the normal uh, question, are you willing to trust and give your entire life to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? You know, not all of us will say, yes, then we go down, right? This brother said, 100%, and he shouted, shouted out, 100%, because he knew that God is real. So at that moment, Brother Jay, who was initially discouraged, when he heard this testimony and saw his response at the baptism pool, he said, I was so encouraged, and the Lord tell me that I must press on and be faithful to what he has originally called me to do, and I will continue to serve the Tamil brothers. Now, when he shared this testimony with me and my wife at that point of time, you know, our hearts, we didn't tell anyone, you know, but uh, when this brother shared with us this testimony, our hearts were also encouraged. So despite the fact that there are many issues that we are facing, but the Lord say, I'm going to do it because these brothers are mine and I love them. Your job is to be faithful. Keep at it. And with this, thank you very much. It's such a joy to see different ones in our church here in Covenant ESC partnering in the kingdom of God. This morning, I want to leave with us a very simple response time. How are you living for the kingdom right now in your season that you're in? Whether it be in the NS camp, whether it be the marketplace, whether it be a homemaker. How is God calling you? Right now, today, this season of your life, to live for the kingdom of God. And now, right now, I want to give us some time to transact with the Lord. And one of the things that the Lord placed upon my heart, His burden this morning, is that some of you may be like Charles Coulson. Where at the lowest point of your lives, you feel that that's something that is hindering you and stopping you from serving God. It could be a greater shame in your life. 
It could be something that you don't want anyone to know. It could be a, a, a great mistake that you made in your life thus far. And you say, I cannot be used by the Lord. This morning as you hear the stories of how the young ones, the youth serve the kingdom of God, how you see different ones like Philip, just like you, people with jobs, people with ministry commitments, serving the Lord faithfully. And we hear the story of Charles Colson. What more? What more do we need to hear from the Lord from His Word this morning? That God desires to use whatever and every part of your life, especially the parts of your greatest defeat, of your greatest mistakes, and He wants to redeem it this morning so that He can use it for His glory. So I want to give us some time to do so as you transact with the Lord. How am I supposed to be living for the kingdom of God this moment and this season of my life? And as the worship team leads us in this first segment, you transact with the Lord. And I'm going to come back later on with a short response time. Zechariah 4.6 Zechariah 4.6 was when the time where the people of God left exile to go back to their land to rebuild 
the temple of God, to build the kingdom of God. And God sent Zechariah in the midst of their despair, in the midst of their discouragement. And God, through the prophet Zechariah, said this in regards to rebuilding the temple of God. He says, It is not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And this morning, as you bring before the Lord how you want to live for the kingdom, my friends, one of the things that we need to come to recognize is that by our own abilities, we cannot, we will not be able to, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, we will be able to. And this morning, as the worship team continues to lead us in this response song, if you say, Lord, here is what I believe you are calling me to live for your kingdom. Empower me by your spirit because it is by your spirit alone will I be able to live for your kingdom. If that is you this morning, I want you to simply just stand as the worship team leads us as a way to receive afresh this morning the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead who now lives in you. This morning, God wants to renew, refresh, and to give you a fresh fire in your bones so that as you go forth from here, that you will live for the kingdom of God. So if that's you, as a worship team leads you, leads us, you stand. My Jesus, my Lord, you're the love of my life. Wherever you go, Would you draw us close, not just to the kingdom, but to our King? In Jesus' name we pray. 
We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word. And we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.